All right, welcome to episode two. We have a videographer, photographer, musician, just impeccable roommate, Christian Gustav, joining us today. Christian, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Alexander. You're living in New York now. Tell me, how is life? Dude, life is, life is really good here. Yeah? Yeah, so I went home two weeks ago, and like everyone I saw asked me, including you, everyone I saw asked me that question, like, oh, like, how's New York or how's life? Like, I always just answer, like, I'm uncontrollably happy here. Like, I just, like, can't explain why. But life is really good here. I mean, I love working, like, not being in school. I love, like, having the freedom in my lifestyle to, like, kind of do different things other than just, like, grind all day, which is nice. Um, the city's amazing. Obviously, never gets boring. Um, enjoying the summer weather while I can before it gets dark, snowy, and cold. And probably will start hating my life here. <laughs> that's encouraging cool. have you done any of the i don't know like the vintage new york things i don't know like, like like spend like six hours on a subway and just see what happens have you just like, walked around central park or something like that uh i've done my okay i haven't seen the statue of liberty that one's still i gotta do i actually like, we literally haven't even like seen it visually so i gotta i gotta do that like from afar so i gotta do that uh I, i've walked around central park a lot that's kind of like i love going to the parks um, cause that's probably the thing I miss most about Michigan is just like the greenery. So yeah, definitely hit Central Park a lot. Um, I have gotten stuck on a subway. I've not just ridden them aimlessly for, for six hours, but I've gotten stuck on one, which is, which is not fun. Until I, uh, you know, overdo the New York thing. My last question, going from the Midwest to New York, are people meaner there? Is it, are they actually not as nice? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was a quick one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, like it's, it's very obvious. Like yeah. when you, when you, meet someone from here or even just like on the street like you don't even have to meet them just like everyone is so like in their own business like head down like you could like full-on shoulder bump with someone on the street and they will not like they won't like bat an eye like it's just like everyone wow. keeps walking yeah it's it's weird dude like elevators you know like i feel like in michigan like in the midwest there's like that elevator etiquette like oh okay like, oh, we're going to the same point. hold the door open for sure yeah hold the door open that's 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 another thing too it's like even like when you're entering a building someone you hold the door open behind you that doesn't happen right there's no like there's none of that none of that it's, so you uh, know that that like awkward distance where someone's kind of far away you're not sure if you you should hold the door open for oh, yeah, that's, no, not, that, that's not an issue there that doesn't that does not happen here. people are like shutting the door behind them it's like yeah, i'm not man that's all that matters yeah yeah actually like so my first week here i was walking with my groceries like people like okay this is just an example this isn't like rude per se but it's just like people will just say whatever's on their mind right my first week here i was walking with my groceries and i just passed some lady like there was plenty of room on, on the sidewalk i just passed her walked past her with my groceries and i was like hauling do you know how fast i walk like, that's yeah like, you're you're like an olympic walker of course yeah okay i was like hauling past her and she was like she literally screams at me. She's like, Dan, if I was in your way, you could have just said so. Like, lady, like, what are you talking about? Like, I literally just walked past you with my groceries. Like, calm down. The sidewalk's not big enough for the both of us. Yeah, I swear. Hey, you should have crossed the street, man. That's proper etiquette. Come on. For real. You just don't like that I crossed her up. Well, oh, <laughs> you know, little Alan Iverson? Yeah, for real. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that you're settling in. I'm glad that you're uncontrollably happy despite the uh, occasional, you know, meanie. But... Let's jump into some some sports stuff, right? You know, this is perfect timing because we're just after uh, just after week one of the NFL season, right? And lucky for New York, you guys have we well, guys have a bunch of teams, right? But I think that the two like New York New York teams, you've got the Jets and you've got the Giants, right? Right. 
the Jets, like apparently they still suck, right? They lost. Their coach called them losers after the game. Robert Sala said, it's a tough scene for the guys. Giants, you got the Saquon resurgence game, and all of a sudden they, you know, they go for two at the end of that game against Tennessee. They come out one and up. So my question for you is, is kind of, it's two-parter. Number one, do you see more Jets or Giants fans kind of when you're out and about, if you can tell by like if they're wearing a hoodie or something. And then the second part is, is like, is there any, is there any hope or, or can you tell people hate their lives because they're Jets fans and Giants fans for the most part, you know, because they've been so bad the last decade? Okay, well, I might have a disappointing answer to your second part because the answer to your first part is everyone here wears baseball gear, not football gear. I've, I literally cannot think of one person here that I've seen wearing a Giants or a Jets like hoodie or hat or any of that. Yeah. But I could think of like on a daily basis, you're seeing Yankees, Mets, you're hearing the banter. Like yesterday I was on the elevator with some Yankees fans and they got off the elevator and there was some girl in a Mets shirt and they're just like, go Yanks. I was like, all right. Like, <laughs> like, like you know, it's like, it's like, that's, that's super common. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The sports franchises here are pretty, uh, pretty hit or miss. Depending on depending on the sport too, I guess because baseball is pretty popping right now for the city. See, I was going to ask you about that too because the you know the Yankees are the storied franchise, right? And they're good. They're they're often very good, right? Aaron Judge is happy. People are saying Aaron Judge is having like some kind of Babe Ruth season. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is like for the Mets who haven't made the playoffs in six years, they're the best team in baseball, right? Right. So I guess what you sound, sound like you're seeing fans of, of both teams out there, but like. Are people like hopping on the bandwagon? Are there hardcore Mets fans that like have always been Mets fans despite the kind of you know mediocre teams? Yeah, I don't know. That's actually okay. So I work with like a couple like actual New Yorkers, and what they tell me is that like anyone hopping on the Mets bandwagon right now is like not a real fan. It's like how they're like labeling them, but they also hate Yankees fans. So it seems like you can't win if you just move to the city. Because you can't root for the Mets, otherwise you just hopped on the bandwagon. You also can't root for the Yankees, or you're just like the sworn enemy. So I'm having a little trouble with that. That's tough, man. I mean, the Yankees are like it's like a perpetual bandwagon. You can't. I mean, you're just hopping on it. You know, the I don't know the, the America's team, right? That's facts. I I will say I think like the you could definitely like tell a difference between like Mets fans and Yankees fans. Really? Like, okay. How? Kind of in like just like how they like carry themselves and also okay. just like I don't know like I went to a Yankees game I haven't been to a Mets game so I can't say but Yankees games are rowdy like that that's like it definitely lives up to the reputation like you know like I always think of that one uh, there's like that John Boy video where he's breaking down when they're like throwing trash onto the field right yeah yeah like that's like that's that's exactly what they all like and then so what do they do for for Aaron Judge at the games. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was just like, okay, I went to the Yankees game, right? And Aaron Judge is like, whatever in the batting lineup, with like one of the first first people. Sure. He just steps up to the plate, literally does not hit a ball yet. He's like taking practice swings at this point. And, and the whole entire crowd is chanting MVP, MVP. And I was there with my cousin. We both just look at each other. We're like, what is that? Like, like, it's literally, like, the top of the first right now. Like, what is, like, like what is happening? I mean, the guy's got. He's just a god amongst men out there. I yeah. Guess. The guy is, like, 6'7". I mean. Judge's court, they stand the whole time he's in the outfield. Judge's, Judge's court, court, yep. Court, yeah. <laughs> Wild. Wild. I guess they need a celebrity, man. For New yeah. York sports teams right now, I guess they, they need all they can get. Them and the Mets, I suppose. Yeah. Well, you know, I, guess, I know you're in New York now, right? So I don't know if you still have your allegiance to all your Michigan teams, but... 
Lions, pretty respectable performance. They they let up 38 points, but they scored 35, but they kept I it watched, close. I watched the game, yeah. What are your thoughts? Honestly, I know I've, I've heard some, I don't know, I, I know some people have some mixed reviews on, on Matt, or uh, well, not Matt Patricia, on Dan Campbell. But personally, I'm a fan. Like, I like the whole, like, build the culture, rally the team, like, work, 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 take, like, the guys that, like, maybe aren't the greatest players in the league, but, like, make them work super hard, and, like, that's how we're yeah. going. And, like, it's not going to win every game, but, like, I like seeing, like, respectable showings. And I feel like it was, like, a a respectable effort and a respectable showing on Sunday. I have talked to people, though, that were, like, yes, true, but we should have won. Like, we were so close. Like, it was within our reach. There were, like, little stupid, like, decisions and mistakes where, like, we could have won. And so a lot of people were disappointed in something. So I don't know. For me, like, I was optimistic about it personally. But what's, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are going to point to the onside kick, which that's yeah. just kind of vintage Dan, right? And, yeah. uh, and it almost worked, by the way. I mean, if you're going to let up 38 points, I don't think anyone can argue that you should have won. You know, you can't let up 38 points. Right. So, I mean, Swift had a career day. Um, golf was bad. And golf was bad a lot last year, especially in the beginning of the year. So maybe he'll get better. They got Jamison Williams coming back later in the year, who's going to be, you know, for the future, the best receiver on the team. I mean, you know, he's still learning how to play with, like, DJ Chark. And then Amon Ross St. Brown picked up right where he left from last year. I like the team. And I really like Dan because I think everyone, because he's like, hey, listen, man. Like, everyone thinks he's, <laughs> this, everyone thinks he's just, like, a motivator. But he, he, I think he really is. Like, he, he was diagnosing a lot of their mistakes from the game. It's like. This guy really knows what he's talking about, you know. Yeah, and and it seems like so. I was I was really into hard knocks for a minute. Yeah, like I, I, not for a minute. I watched the whole season. Sure, but it seems like he's surrounding himself with people too that like kind of fill in his gaps. Like he's definitely yeah. the motivator. He's definitely like the the, the moral engine. You know, he's like yeah, hundred percent building yeah. around. It seems like a lot of his the guys he's surrounding himself with are more like the strategists. Yeah, and then so they're all the big thing is like oh the Lions have so many former players. One of the people who are not former, at least players on the pro level, is, is the offensive coordinator, is Ben Johnson, who's also, as of right now, the play caller. Ben Johnson looks like he's, like, you know, a geometry teacher. Like he's, he's yeah, yeah, I've seen him, yeah. So it's just like, you know, he. I agree with that. He's kind of letting – he's he has this kind of perfect team around him that supports where he may be lacking. Um, that was a really good way to put it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Like, a lot of people think, uh, like, the Lions should have been with, like, one of those, like – you know, like offensive gurus that are like taking over the league now, you know, like those like head coaches that that are all like, what, what isn't there's like four and zero for like new head coaches in week one or something like that, or like four and one, three and one, something like that. I'm not sure about what the record is. I mean, that sounds right for for new head coaches. I mean, but he's just he still inherited a bad roster. He inherit that was as a result. Same with Brad Holmes, the new GM. They inherited a, a bad team that they have to kind of gut and then retool. Yeah. Which is, and they're also the other thing is they're. Thanks to Brad Holmes and the draft. Obviously, Aiden's hopefully going to be a home run or at least a triple. But they, like like Rodrigo, right? The sixth round draft pick, the linebacker. Right. Who had, I think six tackles and a tackle for a loss yesterday. He right. was awesome. If they start hitting on those picks, all of a sudden that defense is going to get bolstered, and you know it's in dire need of it. That guy's like prime example too of like someone where it's like they're not prime talent, but like yeah. they're just going to work. You know? Yeah, and and they're they, like they just I remember in the Hard Knocks episode, they, like he's like I get to hit people in camp. That's yeah. why. <laughs> That's the job. Hey, he obviously hasn't listened to uh, Closing the Gap episode one. Ah, man, yeah. <laughs> we don't know what's in store, but I got to love his energy, though, right? Yeah. No, no, I definitely appreciate that. 
So we'll see how Detroit does. You know, the one thing I will say to kind of end off the, the Lions stuff is that they, the Lions just came out for their game against the Commanders this week, and it is the first time in, I think, 24 games where they're favored. So that's exciting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. They've wow. been underdogs for a long time now. Maybe Are maybe. the Commanders good? I don't really know anything about them. They won their first game. They've got, uh, you know, Carson Wentz, who still t- seems to be oh, a yeah. turnover machine. Oh, yeah. um, they have one of the worst owners in sports, and Dan Snyder. I mean, they're kind of a mess. I, they're like... I don't know, partially rebuilding, partially trying to compete in the NFC East because it's such a bad division. But I wouldn't want to, I'd rather be the Lions than be the Commanders. They just, I mean, they just, the Commanders is a brand new team name. They were the Washington football team last year. They're a mess. Right. Yeah. They, they've gone through many team names. Yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, they're in a little bit of state of flux right now. Let's put it in nicely. I hear that. I hear that. Um, but yeah, dude. So I think one of the reasons that I was so excited for you to come on right, is in addition to, you know, you're in New York now, you have so many new, cool new things going on. But you have this awesome job where you're, the, the revenue analytics analyst for ESPN, when that's kind of what has brought you to New York. I want to make sure I get that job title right. So can you talk a little bit about what the job has been like so far? Maybe some of the coolest things that you've learned. Yeah. So the job, basically, what I do is I – it gets, like, very specific, right? So yeah. talk about, like, Disney as a company, right? Like, Disney owns a bunch of networks. They run ads on a bunch of different networks, right? Mm-hmm. One of those networks is ESPN, obviously. And within ESPN, we kind of break it up within to like two businesses. So there's what's called the linear side, which is like if you're watching ESPN on cable. So if you like literally have a cable box in your in your house and you're watching ESPN, that's one team and one side of the business really. It's like a whole separate operation. Then we have the digital side, which is what I work on. So I work on ESPN.com, the ESPN app, ESPN Fantasy, YouTube TV, Hulu, anytime you watch ESPN on those, those numbers come to me. And what I do basically is I track how much money we are currently making, how much money we made, how much we're on track to make in um, ads shown on those properties. So anytime you get served that that big display ad at the top of ESPN.com, right? Like that's something that hits the system that I track and, you know, report on. So basically my job is like a mix of like data analysis and financial reporting. Um, so every day, like kind of the, the day-to-day grind is like pulling what the ad revenue is on the different platforms and across the different platforms. So that's like on, you know, like video platforms, on your phone, on ESPN.com, um, and then putting that into slicing and dicing it into a whole bunch of different reports. Um, for stakeholders all around the company to, to analyze. The coolest, so that's like the day-to-day, but the sure. coolest thing I get to do is like the, the ad hoc request. So we'll get requests pretty frequently about like, you know, how much did college football put up this weekend, right? Or like even more specific, like how much did Amazon spend this weekend on specifically on SEC network lines specifically that ran on YouTube TV, right? And like, I have to go into the system and like figure out how to pull that number and how to split it, right? Um, so that's like one example. I did stuff with the NBA finals on ABC as well, um, which was which was interesting. But yeah, kind of just like a, a mix of, of daily reporting on, you know, the numbers and then, uh, some some ad hoc requests mixed in there as well about more specific fun stuff that um, 
get to give guidance on. Wow. Okay. So I mean, between the finals, you know, you're talking about college game day, you know, college football on, uh, on Saturdays and things like that. You're, I mean, you're working with kind of the, the biggest money makers for, for ESPN in terms of what they're showing and whether, again, now you're talking about the difference between the commercials and things like that you see on TV versus on the digital end. So right. I, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you about is like, for example, that, that headline ad you see on ESPN.com as someone who constantly is on ESPN, you know, for procrastinating, I always, I'd, it's just like, it's bookmarked for me and I'm always on ESPN. Is that ad personalized for me or is it kind of a blanket thing? Uh, it's personalized. Okay. Yeah, so that ad gets served to you uh, based on, you know, it used to be based on cookies, right? Sure. You like enable cookies, like sites yeah. start tracking you and like what you're interested in, and what sites you're going to and serve you ads that fit you, right? But that's more and more become account dependent. So okay. if you're signed into your ESPN account, signed into any type of Disney account, right? Like then they're able to kind of like track that. Um, but now that I think about it, that ad specifically, like the homepage display ad, mm-hmm. may or may not be uh, customized just because it's such like a prominent position. Right. Um, I'm actually not sure. But <laughs> no, I'm totally fine. The majority, the majority of ads are, are personalized, yes. Yeah. Especially in the digital space. Yeah. Only in the digital space. Yeah. yeah well, it just brings up a, an interesting thing I was thinking about because I, I was trying to prepare to try to figure out like a cool like thing that to, it would make sense to me to ask you and it's because I'm always reading ESPN articles like I was, you know whether it's about the NFL the NBA you know, it goes on and on and at the end of them they always have these little like three kind of ads at the end of them which I'm sure you're familiar with and you know like the, I, the, I read an ESPN article yesterday I don't even remember what it was about and they had three ads and it was sponsored by something called Tabula which I'm sure you're probably familiar with yeah. and then it was weird because it, the things it was recommending it was like why you should visit Appalachia Ohio which I've been <laughs> You know, then it tells you about eating healthy breakfast. I eat two bagels with eggs for breakfast every morning. I haven't, I haven't changed. I don't plan on changing. And then it asked me about some kind of hybrid, like athletic, but also pseudo dress shoe sponsored by Rob Gronkowski. And we all know my shoe game. I don't buy shoes very often, right? So I guess my question is, is Tabula like a partner of ESPN? Is like some sort of middleman where they do the tracking of my, my internet searches and then everything else goes through you guys as kind of the platform for that? <laughs> That's a great question. I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because, so yeah, Tabula is one of our partners. Okay. Um, and I, I actually track, like I log into the Tabula portal every day to track those exact, as you pointed out. Um, I'm not sure, like we obviously don't handle like the targeting and like placement and content of those ads. Um, that all comes through Tabula, but um, yeah, so Tabula is one of our partners. We do like, we have like a contract with them. They get a cut, we get a cut. They serve only at the bottom of the articles, which is the ones the ones you pointed out. If you look at any other ads though on the page, mostly any other ads, those are served by ESPN. Um, so yeah, that's Tabula is a case where like we're they're one of our partners, and that's why it says you know, Tabula on it. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I like it. So it's it's very like case dependent. So different, you work with different partners depending on the location of the ad, whether it be on the homepage at the end of an article, like for I guess for. Um, like on the ESPN homepage, they'll have little like snippets, little clips from like, you know, first take or something that one of the, the shows that go on throughout the day. And there are ads for that too. Is that like a whole separate ballgame? Is that part of that linear end of things you were talking about? So that's not necessarily part of the, are you talking about like, like they're advertising for ESPN shows? Yeah. It'll be like a snippet of Stephen A raging about the Cowboys or something. And then there's like a little ad before that happens. Oh, like an ad before that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's also, um, tracked on my end. 
Okay. Yeah. So anything that's being shown, basically any, so here's, here's a way to think about it. Here's, it's easier to think about what I don't track because the only thing I don't track is people watching on cable boxes. But if you watch on, if you consume ESPN on anything other than a cable box, it's coming through, you know, my, my, my end. Even if you watch, like, like if you watch the game, but you're watching it on YouTube TV, like that still comes to me. That doesn't go to the linear people. Wow. Okay. So you, you cover, cause I mean, I don't know what the number of people who still own a cable box and, you know, I don't know, often use it. I mean, it's, it's still pretty high. Okay. It's still pretty high. It's, I think it's still like uh 65 million or 70 million. Wow. Okay. That, that, that's quite but, a bit. And, and I, I mean, this is no secret. I, I can, I can say this, but you know, the linear side of the business is still what makes the most money. Right. So that's, that's still the, the revenue driver for not just ESPN, but for any company that's juggling, you know, uh, a, a kind of, you know, side by side with a linear and a digital business. It's like, that the money is still primarily coming from cable. Interesting. But do you think, do you think that the trend is that it's kind of starting to even out a little bit more in the digital end? Yeah. That's what, that's what people want, obviously is okay. to, to get it more towards digital and like with digital, you can get like super specific with, with targeting, right? Like, whereas like you turn on your like cable TV and you're seeing the same ads as like Joe Schmo, you know, like everyone's getting served the same ads um during these like games and big events and stuff but digital gives us opportunity to like hyper specific target you know i want to target 18 to 24 males in ann arbor who just bought a new car right like like you can like get super specific with like how you want to how you want to target and so definitely the business is trying to shift towards digital um but another factor kind of complicating that is you know like obviously like rising costs like if you just look in the industry like amazon is paying billion dollars a year to get one game a week like which is just ridiculous or like apple is paying x dollars i don't really know the number i think i actually don't know the number at all uh for mlb on sundays right like direct tv sunday ticket is like up again that's probably gonna go for you know many hundreds of millions of dollars so there's rising costs which make it hard to make a, a streaming model viable because linear is so tried true tested it's it's an easy way to to get your money you know but um yeah it's it's we're it's we're in a weird spot in the entertainment industry we're like we're we're right in the middle like wall street and everyone being like it's streaming it's streaming it's streaming but (laughs) streaming it doesn't make money so so it's it's uh it's an interesting interesting time to to be in be in uh streaming or just cable or any any type of media really yeah that's so interesting because like you you see a commercial during a football game and like say it's like a bud light commercial what Mm -hmm. percentage of your audience drinks i mean maybe it's a lot because a lot of football fans drink bud light but whereas versus if you're watching on like a streaming platform, or if you're in the digital space, the ads are targeted for you. So like, if you're a beer drinker, it'll be Bud Light. If you, you know, are looking to buy a new car, it'll be for like the right. new Ford F one fifty or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. No, it, it, it has more of that flexibility. So it's like it's more you know with the times, right? Yeah. That's that's, that's the hope kind of is to give advertisers more of that uh, that ability to hyper target. Yeah. Well, I, it's kind of exciting. You're kind of in the middle of this. I don't know, maybe it's just like historic shift in, in, in the media era of sports. So that's pretty exciting. 
Yeah, I mean, not even just of sports, of everything. Yeah, you know, like every every uh, it seems every entertainment company is trying to make that shift from get everyone signed up for streaming, but oh, also all of our money comes from people with cable boxes. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> I guess we'll have to just navigate that one as it goes. Um, but yeah, so I guess this is kind of a, a stark shift here. I just wanted to get your thoughts. What are your thoughts on this net Brooklyn Nets offseason? What, what do you think? Nets. You know, I'm not a fan of like, I'm not a fan of, of people who like make excuses, cry babies. And I feel like the Brooklyn Nets just has a lot of those players, like between KD, Kyrie, Ben Simmons, and that's about as deep as my knowledge goes on the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> but with just those three, I could tell you, like we got we got high levels of, of crybaby, you know, whiner, you know, make excuses, you know, type people on that team. And also, it's just like, it's just weird, man. Like the whole KD wants to get, you know, uh, the the coach and GM fired, and then. It's actually like, oh no, we're gonna make it work. It's like, how do you like? What do you do? Like, you're walking in the building the next day. Like, yeah, like you gonna be all right. Like, what's happening? Just an unprecedented level of awkwardness in a locker room that I, I don't think will ever be topped. I mean, Has something like that ever happened before, where like someone like demands out, but then they like end up staying. See, that's the crazy thing is that players like Durant, that when you have that much power and you make those types of demands, they're met. Right. You know, plenty of players have demanded that coaches be fired. LeBron's had David Blatt get fired in, in Cleveland in 2015, right? So now Durant's demands were unprecedented in the sense that he asked for a coach and a general manager to be fired. And maybe he has a case, maybe he doesn't. A lot of people have been critical of Steve Nash, his coaching job, the fact that he, there were times where he was playing Kevin Durant like 48 minutes a night. And then there's the GM for that, then that's Sean Marks, who signed DeAndre Jordan to a three-year 30. $30 million contract when he's about six years past his prime, right? <laughs> There's like understandable complaints, right? Yeah. And then you've got Kyrie's refusal to be vaccinated. And then you've got Ben Simmons. I'm not sure Ben Simmons has any interest in playing basketball. For that, I was going to say, does that guy play basketball? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, we'll get an occasional workout video where he's like, you know, sweating and stuff. But I don't know. I kind of want to get a Ben Simmons jersey just to like see just like okay. how it would be treated. You like, just, well, you yeah. Wear it out. Wear it out. I just want to, oh, man. <laughs> That's, you know what's funny is that his jersey sales at this point are probably mostly dependent on like memeing him. They're not because he's a good player. No, hundred percent. Yeah, that's a tough spot to be in. So okay, wait. So is the reason that like Katie couldn't get out is because it's just like the whole like contract, like everyone's like going up higher and higher with like what they're trading, what they're offering. Is that was that the whole reason? Yeah, the, the the Rudy Gobert trade really reset the market where he was traded essentially for like, um, it was multiple picks and multiple players, multiple like first round picks, unprotected picks, just this this crazy haul for. And by the way, unwarranted. Rudy Gobert's past his prime. He's a multi defensive player of the year, but it it just he re completely reset the market, right? For example, when the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis, right? They traded a bunch of picks and a bunch of young players, right? They they mortgaged their future, as people say. That's fine. Like that's what you do, and they won a championship. It was worth it, right? Yeah. Now the price, asking price is so high. You don't. You can't just mortgage your future. You have to mortgage your present. You have to gut your whole team. What's the point of trading for a guy to win right now? You have to trade all your good players because the Nets even said they don't for when they were still potentially going to trade Kevin Durant. We don't want just picks. We want young, ascending, current All Star level talent. Well, if I give you that, what's left on my team? You know. So right. it's just it's it's a disaster, and it, that's why it didn't work. Huh. 
So I wonder, is that only going to continue to grow or is that like, okay, like now we're in the season and like next off season, everything resets. You know, I, I mean, the other thing is Kevin Durant had so many years left on his deal, which kind of complicated things. I don't know. I, I kind of wish the NBA would all just, the teams would collectively agree, hey, you know, that Rudy Gobert trade was pretty bad. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's wipe it off the record. record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's go back to normal when, when you know, an NBA trade, the team that ends up with the best player usually ends the deal because you're kind of getting like you're trading a dollar for four quarters. So you want the dollar, not the quarters. But they traded a dollar for like 13 quarters. It was like this just crazy deal. So, you know, hopefully people can agree that a dollar is not worth 13 quarters, but maybe that's just... Someone would not get fired with that. That's, you know, I, I mean, let's see how it works in Minnesota, the team who traded for Rudy Gobert. They have a really good team right now, and they made the playoffs last year. So let's see if they can make something happen, make some noise. Let's see if it works. But if it doesn't... They had a really good team until they traded it all away. Yeah. Well, good. <laughs> in their case, they traded a ton of picks, a ton of young players. They still have their stars. Oh, okay. Because he doesn't have that Durant-level asking price. But they're they're in they they're on the hot seat that gm is on i don't even know the gm's name but he is most certainly on the hot seat yeah damn um but yeah so i guess we, we've you know kind of bagged on the, the nets enough let's talk about the Knicks, another storied franchise in new york right so is there a sense of hope in new york about about the Knicks? you know looking into this season or is it just another like oh you know we're gonna be bad again you know i don't know if i necessarily have a pulse directly on that but what i will say is that while i don't see I don't see anyone wearing like Giants or Jets gear, like literally never. I can't even think of one instance. And while the majority is still Yankees or Mets gear, you see a lot of people wearing Knicks stuff or like even like stuff in stores, like in the bodegas, like they'll have like a Knicks flag up, you know, or like the guy will be wearing like a Knicks hat. Like it's just like, it's part of New York culture. Right. So I, I think like just even just seeing the presence of it makes you think that like there's always optimism. There's always hope right like the garden it's like just like a sick venue right it's like right, right there just like planted um but but yeah i would say there's definitely a sense of a sense of hope or a sense of optimism just based on based on my my thorough research of, of seeing flags and, and people on the street wearing hats yeah hey, i mean you know blind hope is is uh is, is pretty common around you know this area with the lions and the pistons for a long time so i, I can understand that but yeah you know we, we were born in, in poverty franchises so we can <laughs> Yeah, you know what it's like. Yeah, this isn't much of a change for me, you know? Yeah, it's more of the same. Yeah, we're just rooting for the same, a different bad team. Yeah. And the reason I want to bring up the Knicks is because I, I'm kind of – they're in this weird – so they missed out on the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. Donovan Mitchell got traded to Cleveland, right? The rumor was he was going to New York. That didn't happen. So now the New York Sab is kind of you – know, you know, like the big three, like the Boston had a big three, Miami had a big three, the Warriors had like a big four, like the, the best players that are like superstars. Yeah. Well, people are the Knicks have kind of like this like mid three where they have three players that are like okay they're getting paid a lot of money but they're not that good yeah. right that's Julius Randle Jalen Brunson and then R.J. Barrett right three really solid players one combined All Star appearance among them and you know they're young but long story short it's not exactly like the Heatles from 2012 so I guess it made me kind of think about like having a committing a lot of money to not having that great of a big three sounds like a very Knicks thing to do. So I did like some research here, and I wanted to kind of present this to you, present this case, right? Okay. So let's start. It's 2010, right? So Amari Stoudemire signs in free agency. He's like a 25-point-per-game guy. Really good. And then okay. they trade for Carmelo Anthony and Chauncey Billups. Now, in doing so, they gut their franchise, right? So there's no depth on that team. They get swept in the first round by Boston, right? But that's your big three, right? You have an aging Chauncey Billups. 
You have Amari Stoudemire, and you have Carmelo Anthony, and then no depth. 2011, right? So you lose Chauncey. Now you've got Carmelo, Amari Stoudemire. You trade for Tyson Chandler, who career scores like eight points a game, right? Really good defensive player. They lose 4-1 in the first round this time. They improve by one game. That's, you know, great improvement for the Knicks, okay? But, hey, they're all in, right? And you know what? They had uh, Jeremy Lin, too, so we awesome. want to throw that in there. Dude, honestly, I'm, I'm surprised there were even, like, appearances here. I was ready for you to just, just bring Pop. Well, we from, there's not even playoff appearances. There's plenty of not making the playoffs in the past <laughs> decade. Don't you worry. Because after that point, so 2012, they have Carmelo, they have Tyson Chandler, and they have J.R. Smith. And that's their, their big year of this past decade where they made it to the second round instead of losing in the first round. And they, of course, lost in the second round. And then it's a bunch of just mediocre lack of making the playoffs. And in 2016, they go all in. They've got an ascending Kristaps Porzingis. They've got Carmelo. Let's go get Derrick Rose after his 14th knee surgery, right? Let's bring him in, okay? And they don't make the playoffs. And they haven't. And then it was pretty much a, it's been a tough stretch ever since that point. So I guess what I'm saying is right now the Knicks have a ton of money committed to three okay players. That's happened before, and it clearly has not worked for them. If you go back to the, the teams that commit a lot of money that are very top-heavy teams, you've got the Heatles with LeBron, Bosch, and Wade. You got the Warriors. You've got Cleveland with with uh, LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love. The list goes on and on. You need the top, the top, top, top level talent. So with the Knicks going kind of all in on guys who are maybe top thirty players, maybe right? Is that just like is that just a Knicks thing to do? Are they just obsessed with pre presenting something exciting to their fans that you know relentlessly attend the games despite being bad, or are they just incompetent? Well, first let me say. When you said Derrick Rose going to the Knicks, all I could think about was was every Rose, <laughs> every Rose moves in the in the right garden. Amen, brother. Um, so your question was, <laughs> is it is it a case of incompetence or is well, okay. I just feel like, well, first of all, I have a I have a question for you. Sure, yeah. If they have so much money to be throwing around, why can't they get like big players? Or, or can they? And they're just, is it really what, is it the case you're presenting to me where they're just incompetent? They're just choosing the ones that, that, that aren't big. Or do they actually not have that much money to be throwing around? I mean, you know, every, every team has a, in sort of the same amount of money in the sense that like there's a, it's a salary cap league, but it's like an owner's willingness to go into the luxury tax and like and pay a tax by exceeding that, that cap. Yeah. James Dolan's considered, he's like the worst owner of sports. So he's pretty cheap. He doesn't like going in the luxury tax, but they've spent a lot of money in the past. They gave Amari Sotomayor a lot of money. They gave Carmelo Anthony a lot of money. They gave, you know, Porzingis. They paid him, right? So it, it's not a matter of, like, a, a lack of willingness to spend. There's rumors every offseason, oh, Durant's going to go to the Knicks. Oh, Kyrie's going to go to the Knicks. And then it just never happens. A lot of times they don't even take a meeting with them. And I think, you know, they're the storied franchise that has the lure of being in New York. And yet Durant went to Brooklyn and Kyrie went to Brooklyn, right? And I think the reality of it is that the Knicks have been so bad for so long and made so many poor decisions I mean, I remember, you know, the famous Stephen A. thing where he's like, they signed Lamar Odom. Who was on yeah. <laughs> so it's like they and Now, that's not necessarily representative of who the New York Knicks are. And they've gotten new management in recent years. Maybe that's better. Maybe it's worse. They don't get free agents. And they are a city. They're a big market that still doesn't get free agents. Hmm. So it, it's a matter of, like, when they do get free agents in the room, they're not making a compelling case for them to come play for New York, come play for the Knicks, right? Right. Or they just can't get people in the room. They can't get they can't get an interview with guys like Kevin Durant, and maybe it's just because they have such a bad reputation for being so bad for so long. Yeah, 
I feel like that bad ownership probably has to like trickle down a little bit, right? Oh, 100%. Right? Where it's like the owner doesn't really, maybe he does care, but he's just like not, not in it fully. That, that kind of like trickles down to the GM and the coach kind of having that same attitude. Also, it's like, there's probably some aspect of like, like as the owner, like what do you care about? Like you care about like making money. Like the Knicks are always going to make money, right? Like that's, that's the problem. Built-in fan base. Like the guy has no incentive to care really. Like sure, they would be bigger if they were like making longer runs or like had an all-star or whatever. They could maybe charge more for tickets, but it's like you're like a super story franchise and you're playing in like the most famous venue in the world. Like I think I told you, like a nosebleed seat to just like a regular seat, like a game on like a Tuesday night is like hundred twenty dollars to sit at the very, very top of the garden. You know, like, like everyone's gonna show up for the Knicks. They got the built-in fan base. They got, you know, they're always gonna be able to rake in the money. So like maybe there's like some aspect of, or maybe there's not, but maybe perhaps there's like some aspect of uh where it's like they just have no incentive to care <laughs> really. <laughs> because like they're they're gonna do fine financially, right? Like either way. It's a mess franchise. It's probably going to continue to be a mess franchise. I think in the past they've been relying on old players kind of returning to their kind of having like a, a revamped career. And now they're relying on young players making like a huge jump, which may or may not happen. So best of luck to them. No idea what's going to happen. The Knicks are probably just going to keep on being the Knicks, but you know, that's okay. Yeah, so, we'll be, we'll be rooting for them together. Yeah. The I support the Knicks, right? And it's a feel good story. Yeah. Um, well, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is just kind of, it's a little bit unrelated to sports. It's just that, so you have, all, you have all your experience with like with videography, photography, production, and now you're in New York, right? And so you, I know I've seen three of your shows with 21 Chump Street, Home, and um, and then of course last year you had your theatrical kind of adaptation of, of For Your Eyes Only. Can you talk a little bit about these projects, kind of what you've learned from them, and then maybe what's next for you on that in that realm? Ooh, fun question. <laughs> um, yeah, so for those projects, so those are my, so the four projects you referenced were the four projects that uh, I produced in college, um, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year, one every year. And those for me were kind of like, okay, like I've spent 18 years of my life, well, 14 years of my life up to when I was a freshman in college, being a performer, like drums, piano, choir, theater, marching band, orchestra, like you name it, right? And like, now I'm studying business. Great. Like, what does that mean? So those projects were like kind of my attempt to be like, okay, like I could still have this like thing that I love, the arts, like creation, like being with creative people, you know, making something where there was, once was nothing. Right. Um, and I can combine that with like what I'm studying or like the kind of the way my brain works, like in a very like analytical spreadsheety numbers way. Right. So you know, from each of those projects, I think, like, obviously, there's so much I could say about, like, what I learned. But I think, like, the biggest things I, the, it would say it was, like, two biggest things I took from those projects. Like, number one would be, like, the fact that, you know, like, it, like, it gave me kind of hope that, like, it's still possible. That, like, I wasn't committing by, like, studying business or, like, by not being an artist. That, like, I could still be in the arts, right and pursue that in, in a way that still like excites me like you know makes me like something i want to do um and then the other thing that I, I started to learn through those projects and that i still want to get better at is like empowering other creative people 
right? Like people who have really strong artistic voices, like have a message or have something they want to say, have a unique way they want to say it. Like what I wanted to get really good at through those projects and what I still want to get good at is giving those people the tools, the spaces, the power they need in order to tell their stories, right? In order to, to bring their ideas to life. And so if that means, you know, staying on a call with you and listening to you run different versions of a line, like, great, let's do that. Or if it means like, you know, sitting back here and raising money so that we can have a, a venue to, to be in, like, I'll, I'll also do that, right? So being able to, to empower um, artists and can give them the spaces they need. Um, that was a really long answer for <laughs> perfect, man. what I've done in the past four years. But yeah. So what was the second part of your question about like what I'm where I'm headed or what I want to be doing? Yeah, what's next in, in that kind of that realm of things? <sighs> yeah, honestly, I mean that's what I really want to be doing, right? Is like working in not even just theater, but like some type of of art space. I feel like I, I juggle back and forth every month between like, oh, theater would be cool. Oh no, music would be cool. Oh wait, actually, film is like right up my alley, right? So <laughs> I don't I don't know where I don't know what's what's to, to come in the long term of that. I could say like right now, being in New York, you know, being young, um, I'm, and fresh out of school, like I'm really into theater just because I'm around it. Um, and it's what I did all throughout college. Um, so I've been kind of, you know, trying to help with like little ad hoc jobs uh, wherever I can, um, assisting people, like trying to be in there. But also something that's really cool you mentioned like my, my film and photography like experience, right? So one, I've kind of had some crossover while here between like my film and photography stuff and then like my theater stuff. So I've had a lot of opportunities to film, not a lot, but a few opportunities to film uh, some like cabaret shows and concerts um, and like Broadway events, which has been really cool to still like be around that. And I have some like projects coming up as well where a group on Broadway, like I'm filming a music video for them, um, which is like another kind of just like cool way where it's like I can use these skills I have in film and photo to kind of nudge myself into the industry that I want to be in. So, you know, right now, I would say that's the short term focus is just like get a foot in the door. Right. And like get to know people, get to be around it while I'm here in New York and Long term, who knows? You know, maybe I won't even end up in the arts, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know you may not have like a pinpoint next step here, but I, I, I'm a, I have to imagine that judging by like your passion for everything, what's next is going to be very, very, very good things. So, if I was a, if I was an artist, I would want you to be my producer. I would want to be want to be empowered. I would want to run through a brick wall after hearing that speech, man. Oh shoot, man! I don't know. If, I don't know if I got the Dan Campbell empowerment. I don't know if I'm like. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if I'm like a motivator like that, but <laughs> dude, oh, man, I love Dan. He has so many good sound points from Hard Knocks, dude. He is. Hey, man, man, hey, listen, man. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm a guy, notes, man. I'm taking notes. Can you imagine like someone on like a Broadway producer, or someone on Broadway doing that type of that type of speak? I I can't, <laughs> but I also wish it was a reality. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, anything in terms of like any any of your projects that you have completed throughout your illustrious production career, can you pinpoint where people should go to check that stuff out? Yeah. Um, YouTube, 
just look up my name, my channel's on there. Um, that's probably the best place to find um, all my work, basically, is, is all on there. Awesome. Yeah. Right. My name on YouTube.com. That's basically it. Seems simple enough. Yeah. All right, Christian Gonsalves, man of many talents, many passions. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it, bro.